does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mark Dykton is flying the Millennium Falcon. Is it Millennium Falcon or Millennial Falcon? I was never a Star Wars guy. I've always heard it was Millennium Falcon, and I was like, what? Mm. Is it? I don't know. That's what the nerds Is it Millennial or Millennium Falcon? It's got to be actually, it can't be the the Millennial Falcon because you actually want it to do stuff, right? Was that an old man joke? What the hell was that? Uh, I would say I'm yelling at clouds, except for that it's a beautiful sunny morning this morning. Millennium Falcon is what it says. Falcon. Say, say that again. F A L C O N. So it's not the Atlanta Falcons. So it's pr- it's pronounced like that, Mark. Falcon? That's what I. That's what it says. We don't go with the but Atlanta Falcons. What's the Falcons? first word? Millennium. Okay. Um, Colts. You said day off today, Kevin, or just afternoon practice today? Day off. I'm waiting for the ultimate tease you've had here. Can you explain well, I was, this I was Cubs getting and to that. Um, Reds connection here? Yesterday during the Cubs-Reds game, take me out to the ball game, seventh inning stretch was sang by, or is it sang or sung? Mike or Shrewsbury? Sung. I don't know. I didn't I didn't catch the seventh inning stretch. I didn't, I didn't see who did it. Andre Dawson. Oh, the Hawk. Mm. And you know the connection to this program. That I find fascinating, and I appear to be the only one that does. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson is the uncle-in-law, if that makes sense. But Andre Dawson is the uncle and very, very close, like spent every summer at the uncle's house level closeness to the wife of Stephen Holder. Really? Really? I had no idea. So Stephen Holder is from Miami. His wife is also from that area. And her mother, I believe, had simply one sibling, and it was... Her, the brother on which was Andre Dawson. So in the summertime, Stephen Holder's wife and her sister would spend the summer in Chicago at their aunt and uncle's, which was Andre Dawson and Andre Dawson's wife. Going that was Cubs. quite the tease for that. Thank you. Going to Cubs games and everything else. See, you learn something every day. Um, Stephen for some some memorabilia. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, Stephen, you know, uh, can we I get went a signed from, picture? You know, we went from Falcon to Hawk is what we did oh, there. Oh, there you go. Right uh, Kevin, tell me about the new offensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts. He's big, 6'9", 330. That is Good large. Uh, Dan Skipper is the name, oh. obviously. <laughs> Insert your jokes there on that one. <laughs> Does he sleep in a hammock? Uh, five starts last <laughs> year. stuck on an island? <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I knew it would be some low-hanging fruit here uh, with trying to make some comedy out of that one. Um, you know, it's hard to get him to come to practice every day, though. Just so you know. Mark, this is a coconut for a phone. Mark, remember a few weeks back when you hopped on the podcast and uh-huh. we did kind of the most indispensable yes, Colts? I, and I, I put Braden Smith atop the list, if I'm not mistaken. I think you had Bernard Ryman really high on the list as well. I think the reason, part of the reason for that is because you had no veteran depth at offensive tackle. You know, Blake Freeland, the fourth round pick out of BYU. He's that third guy so far through five practices. I've seen him a little bit more at right tackle than left. So basically, I think you view this move as some veteran insurance. And if Smith or Ryman were to go down, I mean, all of a sudden, a guy like Skipper, a guy like Freeland, they could be asked to play every single snap for you for however long that absence is. So You know, the Skipper looks like he could have been an offensive lineman, didn't he? Alan Hale? 
Ooh, maybe back in the day. I don't know about yeah, a modern maybe line, maybe linebacker or cornerback. Like yeah. in that era, right? Portly yeah. fellow. Portly? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen Dan Skipper? He certainly looks like, I mean, he looks like a mountain lion. Can we play guess the college for Dan Skipper? Are you aware, Kevin? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with, uh, Mark, you go as your first guess here. Jeez, oh, this BYU. I have no idea. Okay, no, I'm gonna go. That's that's Freeland. I'm gonna go with Texas Tech. Kevin, your Ooh. guess. Jake, very close. Oh, so you know the answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got to be Baylor then. <laughs> Second guess for you, Mark. Uh, North Carolina State. Now, how is that close to Texas? I don't know. Tech? I'm just get. I'm guessing a random offensive lineman's college. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, what do we got? Looking up pictures of the skipper right now. Woo, pig, suey. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. That'd be Arkansas, by the way, for those that are unfamiliar. The Razorbacks of Arkansas. You know, I I guess good news on the offensive line. Through five practices, they've had no injury issues whatsoever. It's been the same starting five for all five practices. Yesterday, again, was the first day in full pads. You know, Jake, I think one of the head-scratching things about Chris Ballard's offseason for me has been just the lack of offensive line attention. I mean, he has literally said it's not a personnel issue. It, well, I, his words haven't said this. His actions have. His actions have said it was a coaching issue, maybe a scheme issue. And so they have elected to go with the same five from last year that ended last season. So that would be Bernard Ryman, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Will Fries, and Braden Smith. That's been the group so far. Um, but the depth of that group, I'm like, wow, you are relying on a whole lot of youth if one or two injuries occur. And, I mean, again, we know offensive line injuries happen. Um, so that's why I think Skipper enters the fray here. I, I, I have to admit can we just call him? You said it's Dan Skipper, right? Can yeah, we call, I'm him call him Dan. Dan. Yeah, I, I, and I know that Gilligan's Island's a little passe, granted, but Skipper just sounds, doesn't it? I mean, can you can you even hear the name Skipper without hearing Gilligan referencing Skipper? Skipper? Yeah, Skipper is. We could call, is just call him. Is kind of tough. Do you think Dan Alan Campbell Hale. had a uh, had a nickname for him? Gilligan, probably, right? I I think Chris Ballard knows Kevin. I thought it was very telling when we were out at camp and we interviewed Ryan Kelly. And I thought Ryan Kelly was very transparent, very honest about what I don't think was any secret, but that the the terrible tragedy that he and his wife had gone through of losing their daughter, that that just weighed on him and that it put him in dark place maybe is too extreme but it put him in an isolated place and I think that when you especially at the offensive and he basically admitted to us with and there's no shame in this he's a human being but he admitted to us that that yeah that probably impacted because that's just a position. Offensive line in the National Football League is a position, Kevin, where you've got to be 100% like laser-focused mentally all the time. And I think he essentially said to us, I, I wasn't. But, you know, I was going through the motions, but my I, I lost weight. I was – that it was really challenging. He lost a lot of weight. And no Listed one – at 307 and said he was down to 285. Th- there is no one that – 
A, would would blame him for that based on what he was going through, and that is an actual legitimate human being. Anybody that does, you know, when I was a kid, I played football. We played through that kind of thing. Okay, well, then you, you basically you're an ass if you, if you have no empathy for what he was going through. But I think that Chris Ballard perhaps looked at it, Kevin, and said, there's a lot of outside chatter and noise about our offensive line falling short of where it needed to be, but as the general manager of this franchise, I know it inside and out, and I know that the anchor and most important piece of the line, in my opinion, that everything kind of feeds off of, was not at 100%, and I am very comfortable and confident that he is a different player and a different size this year, and that that then has the ripple effect outward from the middle of the line, and we're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the, it's a lot of eggs to put into that basket, Um, if you kind of just boil it down to that central figure, that person impacting the entire unit, because I would argue, I think, you know, all of the positions um, had guys take steps back from the previous year. And really, the probably the bigger question that I have is, is just more about depth of that you are kind of that one injury away from being in scramble mode with a lot of youth up front. And I feel like it's a game that Ballard has played before. And then we get to January and he's like, yeah, I regret that. And I'm like, well, isn't that kind of your core philosophy? That That is what is surprising to me with that. And I know Ballard mentioned back last Tuesday on report day about, you know, I thought the offensive line played better late in the year. Jake, let's not act like the offense was all of a sudden scoring 35 points a game. Right. Late in the year. You had some pretty bad offensive performances still um, in the second half of the year. So a little bit of offensive line depth there. For you the know players. who I was asked about yesterday and I thought, well, you know what? We haven't mentioned this guy's name at all. And Reggie Wayne's going to join us at 9 o'clock this morning, so there'll be a good chance to ask him because he would know better than anybody. But... Um, how much work have you seen out of Kevin, or have you been impressed by, not impressed by, uh, off the radar? <clears throat> Excuse me, is this a guy that's been off the radar, um, or automatically has looked like a player? Josh Downs. Yeah, I haven't noticed him as much maybe in the team drills. I think in the one-on-ones, you, you certainly see him. Selfishly, um, you know, basically what happens in the one-on-ones is Michael Pittman faces Kenny Moore pretty much every rep. I guess you understand that. They're the two veterans from a wide-out corner standpoint. I would think it'd be good for Josh Downs to face Kenny Moore in some of those because, you know, he is, you know, at... And I think Kenny's had a nice camp. Um, You know, he is, when playing well, he's certainly one of the better nickel slot corners in the league, Um, whereas Downs is kind of going up against guys that I don't even know if they're going to make the roster. Um, But, yeah, there hasn't been, I think, an abundance of catches out of him in the team drills. Uh, missed a lot of time in the spring due to a knee injury. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the week, he is the roommate to Anthony Richardson. And uh, you talk about NFL bloodlines, there's a lot of them for Josh Downs uh, in his family. So I'm curious to see his role, Isaiah McKenzie's role. I know we had McKenzie on the show uh, to begin things earlier this week. Stature-wise, they're, they're two similar frames, but I think they're two different styles of wideouts. So how the Colts utilize them, how Shane Steichen utilizes them will be something um, that I'll be watching. Do you remember a year ago when I was keen on Dallas Flowers? Mm-hmm. And it, it's admittedly because he made one really cool play that I thought, and then I liked the fact that he played at Pittsburgh State because I knew a little bit about that school. And it had nothing to do with me having any sort of trained eye about his football acumen in any way, shape, or form. Open disclaimer. But every year I pick a guy and I go, I just like that guy. He just looks like a football player. 
and then I, I follow them. I, I have one yesterday that I decided I was watching them out on the field, and Kevin, I said to myself, that guy right there looks like a thoroughbred. That guy right there looks like a player. That guy, if nothing else, is the Dick Vitale all-airport team where when he gets off the bus at the airport, he looks. that guy just looks like an NFL player, so I'm all in. I'm all in. If he makes the roster, I'll buy a jersey. I'll do the whole deal. Uh, I'm all in. Hmm. Who you got? Wide receiver. You got any guesses? Well, if I was thinking all airport, Mike Strawn would probably be atop that list, but I have a feeling you've... Boy, I'd forgotten about Mike Strawn. You kind of already... We're we're still waiting for that, right? I've seen that. Yesterday was the annual August day for Mike Strawn. Flashing. Randy Moss plays. Uh, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce, poor, poor Alec Pierce. Alex Not Alec Pierce. Pierce. Uh, <laughs> Not Alec boy, Pierce. I don't know. I mean, a lot of those wideouts are tall. I mean, Burchard Perriman. Vincent Smith. What was the young boy that we met yesterday? Really nice kid. Uh, he and his dad from down near Trafalgar Lane. Was that right? I think that was the day before, right? It was a Parker yesterday? Or Parker. Yeah, it might have been Parker yesterday. Alec Pierce, his favorite player. One of those two, Alec Pierce was his favorite player. Parker was a really nice kid. Too. Yeah, really, really good um, kid. Indian Creek. Who did you guess, Mark? Uh, Vincent Smith. I'll do this in the Chuck Crab voice, okay? At receiver for Indianapolis, he's a 6'5 rookie from Southeast Missouri State, number three, Johnny King. Are you familiar with Johnny King, Kevin? I know absolutely zero about Johnny King. I don't know if I've seen him make one play. I, so I don't care. All I know is when he goes out there and does the, the deep, the high knee bend jogs and everything, that guy looks like a player. I'm all in on Johnny King. If Johnny King makes the roster, I mean, we're, it's it's don't it's like uh, I'm not going to do shirtless, but I'll bring in Long's Donuts for everybody. If Johnny King makes the roster, six five two oh nine, Southeast Missouri State. Do you know their mascot? Panthers. Nope. Cougars. I'm trying to think of um, <laughs> the Red is, Hawks. This was back years ago. So what were they before? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is a couple decades ago. Do you remember the name Jackie Styles? Like a great women's basketball player, college wise. I want to say she took Southwest Missouri Jackie Styles State, the attorney at law, to like the Final Four. Yes, I do remember Jackie Styles. Was it Southwest Missouri State? Yeah, which the is Missouri, Bears, which is maybe? Missouri State now. That's they, where they, Alford coached. Kevin Alt played there. Um, I did a story when I was in. Did Missouri. they go to Final Four, or am I imagining things? No, I think you're right. When I was working in St. Louis, they had a girl named Kerry Coke who was like the Stephanie White of the state of Missouri. They scored like four thousand points. Went to Missouri State, which was then Southwest Missouri State. Southeast Missouri State, you said, is the Red Hawks. The Red Hawks. Are yeah. we going to guess what they originally were? I mean, I'd have to look that. Isn't up. Red Hawks typically what you go to if you were originally like Redskins or something like that? I'm looking. <laughs> this is riveting radio. I, know. Mm-hmm. I realize. Yeah. Strong. Strong here. Nothing screams Colts off day like this. Reggie Wayne going to join us coming up at 9. Bob Kravitz at 9.30. Um, Jake, you look at a trade possibility for Jonathan Taylor. We'll play some Ian Rapport audio coming up here in a bit. You, Correct me if I'm wrong. You said kind of fifth, sixth round? That's what I think. If you go with Kevin... The running and Jonathan Taylor is admittedly one of the top, probably four running backs in the NFL. But it's also like being the starting center on the Lollipop Guild. Like the, the biggest challenge is a team that needs a running back 
at this point, somebody that's going out and trying to acquire a running back is doing it because they have probably a short fill fix, right? There's nobody. I mean, it would be somebody that their back went down. They need somebody for you know half a season or whatever it might be, or a rental for the year. Because Jonathan Taylor, I mean, if you go out and get him, you know you're probably getting him for one year because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So the precedent, and I know that we're going 30 years back and things have changed, but even when the running back was a a more prioritized position and Marshall Falk was the first of like the hybrid back and was literally not even yet into his prime, Marshall Falk got you a second and fifth round pick. Marshall Falk, who still had yet to be an MVP and a Super Bowl champion and was coming off of a, you know, a dynamic start to his NFL career. I just the 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 challenge for the Colts if they were to trade Jonathan Taylor is there are two running backs out there that teams can have without giving up asset to get them. And then they can determine their own terms on how long they're going to have them. And you don't get that with Taylor. So Wonderful he- player, no doubt about it. Naheem Hines last year goes for a fifth in Zach Moss. So you think Taylor would go for less than Hines? Um, again, last year, first off, and, and I can't recall, Hines was dinged up, right? Uh, I don't... I mean, he's coming off... Uh, I don't I was, remember anything with okay. injury-related, seriously, with Hines. Because I mean. Taylor is coming off of an injury... That, that cost him games. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been a great player, Kevin, but he hasn't been a great player the entire time he's been here, right? And he hasn't been a great player in probably a year because he's been hurt. So he's coming off ankle, and I realize the surgery probably was not a huge deal, but he's he's a guy that, that it is now known seemingly failed the physical for his team when he showed up at, at camp. And he's unhappy, and he... His contract expires at the end of the season, and you have Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook that are out there just sitting on a shelf like, hey, what's up? I, I mean, that that's the it's a good point on Hines. I mean, no doubt about that, because he's a better player than Naeem Hines. I just think there are a lot of litigating factors that go into it that are going to make it difficult. We'll touch more on this on the other side. Again, Ian Rapport had some comments yesterday, NFL Network, um, on possible trade suitors for Jonathan Taylor. We'll play that audio coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Reggie Wayne joining us at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari here on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis, for that matter. It's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen. Of course, the other voice you hear on this program, that's why it's called Kevin and Query. It took years of marketing research to come up with that name. And Mark Dykton not only controls the handles for us, but he also answers the phones, which right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline is where we find... The wide receiver coach of the Indianapolis Colts, his name needs no introduction in this town. It's also in the 
uh, Ring of Honor, and probably someday will end up in Canton as well. Reggie Wayne joins us on the program. Reggie, first off, thanks for joining us this morning. How are things with you? Everything's good. It's a typical uh, training camp, even as a coach, as a player. Um, it all sucks. But <laughs> at, the same, at the same time, you can uh, you can find time to get better, come together as a team, and uh, this is actually where it all makes sense, to be honest with you. Um, you're away from your family. You've been putting all the hard work in, in the summer. And now this is that final piece of the summer, of the spring, where you uh, you put it all together. Reggie, I'm not going to lie. I had you pegged for after year one. I thought you'd be on a beach with the corona in hand for a bulk of 2023. <laughs> uh, yeah. You decided not to do that. I'm sure you did that at some point this year, but you are not doing that right now, obviously. Why'd you come back? Um, For a couple of reasons. One, um... Uh, that was some unfinished business just with this organization, uh, what it means to me, um, what these, what this fan base means to me. Um, I just felt like I needed to, I needed to come back and, and do it again. And then the other part was, I feel like, like I owe it to these players, you know, I owe it to these players that, you know, that, that, that wasn't, that wasn't the coach standard last year not with myself, not with the outcome of the season. And and I and I felt like that's not that's not that's not the way I wanted to go out, you know? I wanted to go out swinging. I felt like I watched four pitches go past me last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they all and, and, and one of them was a ball, but the rest of them were strikes, you know what I'm saying? And and I just wanted to uh I just wanted to, you know, do it for these players to come back, have a different mentality, um and help trying to turn this thing around. And Reggie, with that, you know, the difference between last year and this year, I, I think even the Colts would admit this, is that it is more of a total reset. I mean, you've got obviously a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You've got some young receivers that you're working with that we'll get to. But does that mean that psychologically for you to come back, that you had to say to yourself, I'm buying in for more than a year here. This is a longer form project than what I originally set out for? Well... I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I really don't. You know, I, I, there was some point in time last year, at the end of last year, when everything was doing its thing. I did want to go have a Corona and sit on the beach. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's one of those things where, like, I was I was I was new to this last year. You know, I was new to it. I kind of came in. And I won't say rushed. You know, uh, but I kind of came in last minute um in the middle of you know draft process not really understanding what to do and how to do it i had an idea i mean we all play you know john madden football growing up on playstation and all that stuff but you but this but this is the real thing you know and i didn't have an idea uh, on what to do and how to do it so i had this summer where i was able to sit down and 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 kind of put some things together you know and I said, man, if I if I have a chance to go back and do it, and all this all this was before Coach Steichen was here, you know, I said if I have a chance to go back and do it, this is how I would do it. And I I mapped everything out, you know what I'm saying? And I was I was just telling myself like, like, damn, if I'd have had this game plan last year, maybe my room 
you know, would at least played a little better and maybe we could have won a game just on my room, you know what I mean? But it is a young team, and um, we just got to be patient. Um, I, I think camp is going well so far. Um, guys are locked in, you know, uh, especially my room. My room is, is, is playing well, and I just want to see if they can sustain that level of play and if not get better and better each day. And, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I am. I mean, how can you not be? It is a young team for the most part, young, young key additions. And, um, man, I just, I just want to, at the end of the day, all right, at the end of the day, I just want these players to just say, like, damn, Reggie was a, a damn good coach for me. And for me, that, that's all that matters. Has it been challenging, Reggie? Reggie Wayne is our guest. I always ask this of guys that were great players and transitioned into coaching. Did it take a while for you to realize or have to adjust to the fact that what was instinctive to you as a player and also the work ethic you had as a player does not automatically translate to every player in the NFL? And for young guys, were there times that you had to realize that you were assuming they just automatically knew what you had known as a player? Well, you know, I, I don't assume anything. You know what I mean? I, I, it's the old cliche, if you assume, you become the first three letters of that word. Right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, back in 2018 when I kind of I came here and helped the coach out during training camp, and that was kind of like a little a semi, you know, trial and error for me. Um, I was here with Coach Frank, and um, just seeing if this was something that I could possibly do. And I was out there coaching the receivers, and I kind of had that mind, you know, that mindset like, man, just do it like this. If you do it like this, you will work. It will work for you. Uh, why are you doing it? Like, you know, and and it was kind of, you know, I was like, man, why are they not listening? Or why why can't they get it done? You know, and it was kind of like weird, you know. And uh, some of the best advice I got was from Chris Ballard. You know, Chris came, you know, to me one day, and he said, uh, he said, Reg, you know what? I've been watching you since you've been here, man. And he said, you can do this. You can do this without a question. And he said, you're going to be damn good at it. He said, but always remember that all these players, if any, can't do what you did. Like, that's what made you special, right? And he said, so just remember, like, all these players you have to to lock in their own, as I would tell my room, you're an Avenger. What is your power? You know what I'm saying? What's your, what's your, what's your special powers? You have to lock in their own powers um, and see what they can do and do best. You know, and that made me sit down and think. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. And that, and that brought me, that even pushed me on forward to my kids. You know, you know, Reggie Jr. playing football like, hey, Maybe Reggie Jr. is just Reggie Jr. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? So don't 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 think they can do all the special things that you was able to do. Just find out what they can do well and, and, and keep it shining. You know what I mean? So I did have to take a step back back then, and uh, and I never forgot that. And uh, and, I, and I think about that every day as I'm teaching them. But but man, these guys these guys are so talented, man. I, I really do believe that they they all are special in in their special way. And I, and I remind them all the time, like. We all know everybody won't be here at the end of the day, you know, but while you have this opportunity, you know, that means the people want to want to get, you might as well just make the best of it. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the best of it and, and trying to get as much 
as much as these guys' secret powers out there on display. Reg, when you speak to the talent, you speak to the secret powers in your room. I don't know. It might be foolish to say, considering one day you will be in Canton. But is there any attribute of any of the wideouts currently in your room that w- you wish you had when you were playing? Oh, man, it's 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 a whole bunch. You know, um, I look at I look at Ashton Doolin, the guy's a workhorse. You know, I say this I say this guy can he could have played with us at any point in time in my career here. You know, just the way he works. You know, um, I look at Michael Strawn. I mean, I tell him every day, I wish I had your size and speed. You know, what I mean, I probably be going on year twenty something right now and playing in football. You know, uh, look at Michael Pittman, his will to do it, right? His, his work ethic, his will to do it, his like. I tell everybody all the time. I'm like, I'm like, listen. If I want to go in the foxhole, one of the guys I want next to me is Michael Pittman. Like that's just his determination to get it done. You know, like all these guys, all these guys. You know, they they all are special. Alec Pierce, man, his his attention to detail, right, and wanting to go in there and wanting to be good and wanting to do it over and over again and wanting to try new things. Like all these guys are special. You know what I mean? And it's just trying to get them to play together. And, and they're doing a good job of it. They they they're looking out for each other. They're helping each other out. You know, that you know, there was times in my career where I didn't have that. You know, I didn't I didn't have everybody in our room, kind of like leaning on each other, helping each other. These guys, every single guy in my room is really talking to each other and helping each other out. And if a guy, you know, has a brain fart and can't forget it, you got one and guy. Oh no, you got to do it this way. Like you know, that's different, man. You know, from what I was used to. You know, it's either. You know, it was it was every man for themselves for the most part of my my career. You know, so it was you either learn it or you get sit on the, you get put on the bench. You know, but this guy this group here is special, and and and, and I will say it was like that last year too when we had you know Paris Campbell. He was a good leader for the room. You know, so it, it's it's one of those things where I enjoy that part because it, it helps my coach out even you know even better. Reggie Wayne is with us. Still weird for me to say Coach Reggie Wayne. I think number 87 is probably how most most people, of course, remember Reg in this town. 11 years ago, I think it goes without saying what you meant for Andrew Luck in that rookie season of 2012. You certainly had some decisions on your own end after that 2011 season. Uh, but critical to to Andrew in that eleven and five year and, and making the playoffs. What is your message to your room about working with Anthony Richardson, working with a young quarterback, working with a rookie, and what you guys need to provide him? Just be there for him. You know, help. You know, make him look good. He's going to make mistakes. You know, he's going to have some tough throws. You know, some tough. You know, go have some tough throws, and we got to make some tough catches. You know, we got to help him out. You know, I, I, I remember when Andrew Luck came in and obviously I was a you know, I was around for a while when Andrew came in and uh I've kinda had my foot teammated in this in this game, you know, for a little bit. But I remember when he came in it was like like damn Andrew Luck's in the building, he's replace he's replacing Peyton Manning and this guy's got so much pressure. So much pressure. Everybody's gonna gonna be looking at him. He's got a bullseye on him. And I just remember the first day I met him you know, and uh, I can still see the smile on his face and didn't know him not one bit, but he had a big smile on his face. And, you know, he was like, hit me with the Mr. Reggie, nice to meet you. I had to, I had to get that straight first. Don't call me Mr. Reggie, <laughs> you know. But um, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, like, don't worry about nothing. I got the offense. And when you're ready, you just come to me and say, Reggie, 
I got it, right? And that took about 11 or 12 weeks. Every week I would check in with him, like, hey, you good? You, you, you want to take over? <laughs> you know? And he's like, nah, not yet. I'm still, I'm still trying to get my feet wet. Cool. You know? So I was, that, I was that voice for him. I was that leader for him until, like, week 11 or week 12. And I went to him, and he was like, all right, let me, let me take a swing at it. All right, it's all yours. So, you know, my, my thing to my room was like, hey, be that voice. Hold everybody accountable. Be that voice. Let Anthony get his feet wet. Let him learn the system. Let him feel comfortable. Let him, you know, be that leader that he can think he think he can be. You know, because to try to be a leader of men and trying to learn this playbook, right? You, you know, every day you got all these errors that you're making, and then you have this roller coaster of emotions, good days, bad days, like. And then at the same time, you're having a bad day, but you can't forget, like, man, you still got to uplift everybody because of your role on this team. Like, that can be tough. That can be tough. So sometimes you need you need that helping hand, and and that's what I want my guys to be. I want them to be that helping hand until Anthony has his foot in the ground. And, and, and Gardner Minshew does a great job of that also. And, you know, but uh, we know how much we've invested into Anthony Richardson and uh, – we just need to be there for them, and not just just not just my room. Every other room in here too. There should be a leader in every single room, and sometimes there's two leaders in every single position, and everybody needs to come together and build and build that bridge for them. Reggie, I think that you know it's probably dangerous a lot and unfair to to compare one player to another, you know, as a direct comparison. So I'm not trying to do that, but as fans and as media here, we have precedent recently of seeing a franchise quarterback that's selected high in the draft that the keys are handed over towards obviously you were an integral part in the acclamation for Andrew Luck but Andrew Luck had come in with a lot of reps under his belt in college Anthony Richardson does not Um, can you kind of give us a glimpse from your perspective as to where there might be differences based on that precedent of a young player taking over the reins and where there might be similarities that you see? Um, honestly, right about now, I don't, I don't see any difference. I mean, when Andrew came in, guess what? Andrew was practicing. He had rough practices. <laughs> he had rough practices. I, the, only, the only dilemma uh, or the only big significance that I can see that's different would be myself. Andrew had a had a, a skill position player that played for a long time. You know, so he had a safety net, right? In my room, in my room, the guy with the most experience is Michael Pittman Jr. for the most part. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's still a young player, right? So that would be the biggest difference. Like they all gonna struggle. And then people think Andrew Luck didn't struggle. Andrew Luck struggled. There was days that, you know, Bruce Arians would look at him and, and, and it was almost like his, his eyes was like, it, 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 like he was something from men in black, you know, the way he looked at it. Like, Andrew struggled. So, like, Anthony Richardson is going to struggle. But one thing that Andrew did was after he struggled, he came back. He didn't get gun shy. He, he still slung the ball around the yard. And I don't see no difference than, than Anthony Richardson, right? Yeah. Is there pressure on him? I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's a quarterback drafted, you know, the third pick in the draft, you know. He's going to struggle, you know. So um, it's one of those things where we just got to take the, the, the ups and downs, 
and uh, and live with it. They're going to be mistakes. They're going to be mistakes. You you mentioned yourself. You know, Andrew Luck had a lot of games. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson doesn't. But us coming together, putting him in the best situation on the field, and hoping that his teaching and his you know play every day in practice will turn that wheel form to get him going. I want to go back to Reggie. Reggie Wayne's our guest on the Palo Sickers Hotline. I want to go back to something you said about when you were playing. You know, you came in, obviously, there was already a veteran receiver there in Marvin Harrison or a guy who was was entrenched, certainly. Um, And you guys were a great duo, one of the best in league history. And I would assume there's a level of competitiveness there. But when you talked about the camaraderie in the room, then versus now, can you elaborate on that on what was different when you were playing and was it to a negative? Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a big difference. You know, I, I think, I think these, the, the, the times have changed. We all know that, right? Uh, they got all these different rules and CBA rules and all these different, if I look at it and I sit back like, man, what is the big difference? Right. And it's, like this will be considered like a country club now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like man, we had two a day practices. Everybody know that. You know, we had two hours and twenty, two hours and thirty minute practices. They don't necessarily do that now, you know. Um, like these guys got so much at their disposal, you know. Like, damn, they should play for a long time, you know. A guy, you know, willing, you know. Um, like for us, it was like we, we didn't have all of the extra you know, uh, amenities that these guys have, you know, and, and I, and it, and, 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 you know, I, I take my hat off to them, you know, it, like that'll help you play for a very long time. You know, we, um, I sit back and I tell the, the guys in the room that may not be high on the chain of command. I'm like, you know, like practices are shorter, way shorter than it was when I was playing. Right. And by it being shorter, that means there's less opportunities for those low-end guys to get reps, almost to the point to where it's not necessarily fair. You know, when I played practices for so long that everybody got a ton of reps, you're going to find ways to get reps because you're out there for two and a half hours. You know, now you take you chop that two and a half hours, you take an hour off to an hour and 30 minutes, like, them dudes don't get many reps. So the reps that they do get, man, you don't have time for mistakes. And to a certain degree, you're like, damn, that ain't cool. That's not fair. But that's what they're brought up into. You know what I mean? So it's different. Um, it's different. But I also understand the way that, you know, all these, you know, analytics and numbers and you know, all the data that's out there now, you know, this is the way it, it, it goes. And um I feel like me personally is like, man, I don't I don't need a machine to tell me when I'm tired, but that's just when that's just what we're up against now, you know. Um I, I sit back and I look and I'm like, man, you know, the guys look fast, it looks fresh, maybe it's all the new technology stuff that got them that way. But then again I sit back and I look on the other side and I look at it like damn such and such, I only got, you know, three roughs a day. How can I fit them in? You know, and it's, it can be, it can be unfair to me at times. So that, that's one of the big things. But at the end of the day, it's still football. You go out there and you play, you give it everything you got. 
whenever you do get your opportunities, you make the you know you make the best of it and uh, and you move forward. Reggie, last one for me, and appreciate the time here on this off day for you guys, which I know is not really an off day for the coaching staff. Um, I think one of the more surreal. <laughs> environments, sporting environments I've ever been in, and certainly one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen was that 2012 game against the Packers. Uh, do you still have the orange gloves? Where are the orange gloves from that Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium? Um, those orange gloves, after that game was over, um, I immediately drove over to Chuck Pagano's house and, um, and handed it to him. You know, so those those orange gloves are hopefully somewhere in reaching distance in uh, Chuck Pagano's house, and uh, you know maybe on his mantle. I don't know. I don't know who knows. It might be in his dirty clothes, dirty clothes laundry. You know, I don't know. You I gotta know have Tina let him put him on the mantle. Come on now, Tina. I I I I would hope Miss Tina will put him up there, but who knows? Chuck probably. He probably puts them on every now and then and, and try to <laughs> live his dreams. I don't know. You know what I mean? But uh, that was an iconic game. Um, it was a fun game. Obviously, um, a lot of us was playing out there with heavy hearts. And, you know, we were out there playing with a lot of emotion. And um, there's just one of those times where I was locked in and then and, 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 and enjoyed the game of of, of, of football, the game that I grew up playing since I was seven years old and enjoyed and loved and just wanted, didn't, didn't expect all this extra that came with it. I just wanted to live, a, you know, fulfill my dream. And I was just stepping onto a field, playing for a, a team. Uh, I remember the first team, you know, my first dream I had of playing football and it, it wasn't a coach. I won't share what team that was, but it was uh, me playing for a certain team and, that's that's when the bug first hit me, you know, and I lived that dream, and, man, it was great. I enjoyed it. Reggie, at that time when you had that game, in the Orange Glove game, we were in the middle of doing a weekly radio show together. I can't remember if we did that for two or three seasons. I think it might have been three years that we did a show with you, um, mm-hmm. which was fun. I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed your transparency. The only thing that you never divulged that we asked over the three years was your middle name. And I tried like hell to try to find out what it was. And people are now telling me that it's out there and it's Da Vinci. Is that right? I don't know where you heard that from. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you heard that from, you know. Uh, um, But, you know, keep digging. You may find it one day. (laughs) (laughs) The coach isn't budging, Jake. The player wasn't budging. The coach isn't budging either. Yeah, you'll find out one day, but keep digging. You're close. You're close, but no cigar. De Quincey. De Quincey. I got one letter wrong. It's De Quincey. Nah, I don't like the way that sounds either. Nope, that ain't it. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I tell you, you, if you can get in contact with Miss Wayne, my mom, you know, for the right price, she may give it to you, but (laughs) you really... You really gotta, uh, you really gotta find her in the pickle to get that out of her. Mom accepts bribes. That, that's what we've learned in this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <All> right. <laughs> Fair enough. Reggie, thank you, man. Uh, safe travels All back right. up to Grand Park, and I uh, appreciate the time here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I appreciate it. Jake, how would you describe going from Reggie Wayne to Bob Kravitz? That's a good question. Um, 
outside of similar athletic accomplishments? Like going from, I would say it's like going from. Um, I'm trying. Who's a like Shows really popular musician? I, I know. I, I was trying to think of like some like super cool musician in going from that into Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, I was going to say Reggie Wayne to T. Y. Hilton. That was going to be much more complimentary. No, I, I mean that as a compliment to Bob. I'm oh. saying two different styles. Bob, you take that as a compliment. I don't know how to take that, to be honest with you. I'm completely befuddled. <laughs> Not the first time Jake has befuddled someone in his yeah. life. Uh, Bob, let's start here. How was the golf outing on Monday as, once again, raising a lot of money for ALS? Yeah, it went great. We made over $80,000 for ALS. It was, uh, I mean... The the auction afterwards, there was not a dry eye in the house. Uh, so one gentleman paid full price for a seven-day luxury trip to uh, Mexico and then donated it to one of our ALS heroes. Hmm. Um, so it was, a, it was a beautiful day and not just the weather. It was just a great, great occasion for everybody. You did your mom proud, Bob. That's all that we ever want to do in life, right? Exactly right. Thank you, buddy. Hey, um... I want to begin with this, your latest column, um, you know, a, a guy that we both like in Pat McAfee and who we saw from the very beginning of, the, of his rise uh, of a meteoric career here, but you basically were saying that you thought this week, maybe for the first time, quite frankly, in his career that he aired. Yeah, you, you really, you know, you would think that he would have, he would have learned something from the canal swim where he took complete ownership, apologized profusely, and, and made, a, made a better person of himself afterwards. Um, I find not only was his tweet ridiculously insensitive, but his, uh, his non-apology apology made it even worse. So I, I think, well, I don't know if uh, Bob Iger or whoever has to get him in a room, but he needs to just apologize and move on. And look, you know, he's, he's a married man like I am. We're used to apologizing. You know, <laughs> this, this comes naturally to us. So uh, um, that's what he needs to do. And I, I really think he erred. I understand that he, you need to be edgy and you need to go to the edge. But I think he, he took one step beyond and he's fallen into the abyss now with this as defensive as he's been. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us. The latest, it is substack.com slash, I guess I want to make sure I have this right. Um, let me start over. Bobkravitz.substack.com. Is that correct, Bob? Correct. That is correct, sir. Okay, Bobkravitz.substack.com. Obviously, along with the McAfee latest piece, certainly everything Jonathan Taylor related. If you don't mind, Bob, I want to start, I guess, let's go two sides with Taylor. Let's start here. Will you evaluate how Jonathan Taylor slash his team has handled this situation? Oh, miserable. I mean, uh, I keep waiting for an adult to show up. And, you know, you've got Jonathan uh, wearing that, you know, just sort of glowering at practice. I'll be honest with you. If I was Chris Ballard, I would tell him, come in, do your rehab, and go the hell home. Because him being there just creates a toxic atmosphere. What do we do during practice? Where's Jonathan? Is he smiling? Is he, is he, is he, uh, you know, how is he interacting with players? Usually not at all, but I think him just being there 
creates a toxic atmosphere. So I think he's handled it poorly. Jim Irsay has handled it miserably. He needs to get his fingers out of the pie. And clearly there, uh, his trainer, who uh, trainer, his agent, who I last saw, uh, was tweeting that they should bring the Redskins name back in Washington, which should tell you everything you need to know about this dude. Um, I think they've all handled it really poorly. Okay, then the other side of it, and then you've hinted a little bit at it there, but how would you evaluate how the Colts slash Jim Irsay has handled this? Well, terrible. I mean, Jim has gotten, has been, you know, center stage in all of this. Uh, he's, you know, he's dropping the information all over the place on and off the record. Um, I, I think he's put, he's put Jonathan Taylor into a corner, um, you know, and if they go with this non-football related injury, I mean, that's a declaration of war as far as I'm concerned. So nobody, nobody's going to win here. Nobody's going to win. You know, I'd like to see Chris Ballard step in, be the adult in the room, and maybe, maybe knock out a short-term contract because let's be honest with you, this guy is not a $4.3 million running back. He is significantly more valuable than that. And it just seems to me that if you have some grown-ups running this thing, um, that, that something can still get done. Is Chris Ballard the guy that's awkwardly stuck in the middle? As always, as always, you know, you, you got to think he's just dying inside every time Jim says something publicly or even privately to his, to, to his guys in the media. Um, yeah, for the life of me, if this wasn't a job, if this wasn't one of what 32 jobs, um, I don't, I don't know that Chris Ballard would put up with this, but it got, it pays really well. Bob, one of the things to me that is intriguing, and I, I want your thought on this when Jim Mersey hired Jeff Saturday, you know, his quote was, look, I don't know how sausage is made. I know football, but I don't know how sausage is made. I just know that I like sausage. It seems like he is the one that should then be aware that his fans don't care how the sausage is made. They just want to enjoy sausage on Sundays. So why consistently show us the ingredients and the kitchen? I think something happened when he came out of that owner's meeting. And and this is just my guess, guys. Something happened when he came out of that owner's meeting and spoke basically for all the owners about Dan Snyder. And I think he got a lot of positive reinforcement on that. And I think it made him feel like he was an important owner. He, was, he is one of the old school family owners, along with you know, Rooney and Mara and all those, those folks. Um, and I, I think it went through his head. And I, I just think, this last year and a half, he's insinuated himself into virtually every situation, whether it's mandating that Sam Ellinger play, getting rid, getting rid of Reich, uh, uh, hiring Jeff Saturday. Now he's in the middle of all this nonsense with Jonathan Taylor, and it needs to stop. Is he is he standing up? And credit to Kevin here, I believe, who was the first that planted this seed in my mind. But is Jim Irsay standing up? in his mind, maybe unnecessarily, for the other owners in taking a stand against the running back revolt of 2023? Well, look, he, he kind of did it when he said, I'm not paying Lamar Jackson 
guaranteed money, uh, even though he's going to get guaranteed money at some point. But, uh, yes, I, I think he's saying we signed the CBA however many years ago it was. Um, you know, you guys agreed to it. You can't – I mean, I, I don't disagree with them, but that's, that's – I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think Kevin is absolutely right that – he feels like he is becoming sort of the spokesperson for the ownership group. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us. His latest, bobkravitz.substack.com, his latest on Pat McAfee um, and that apology that Bob believes is necessary for Pat. Um, let's get into the Anthony Richardson, Gardner, Minshew. Bob, we're five practices in. I think for the most part, it's been a 50-50 split. I know you have been a proponent of waiting a little bit to put Anthony Richardson in the lineup. Uh, Colts-wise, do you think they have that same line of thinking? Do you think we'll see Gardner Minshew for X amount of games in 2023? I think we're going to see Minshew for a couple of games. Uh, I think things will probably not go great. And I, I think, you know, maybe after five, six games, maybe longer, uh, we're going to see Anthony Richardson. Clearly, clearly the owner wants him out there. Clearly Steichen wants him out there. I mean, look, everybody wants him out there. But you can't put him in a position where he, he is likely to fail uh, and, and, and have a long-term impact and have, it, have a long-term impact on him. You go back to Ryan Leaf. I, I talked to Ryan Leaf often. He said, you don't know how some of these guys are going to react to failure for the first time in their lives. And he did, obviously did not do it, handle it well, and it was the end of his career. They just need to make sure that they're putting this kid in a good position to, to play well. If you put him out there early, you end up with another David Carr, um, you know, or, or any one of those other quarterbacks who got out there too early and got their brain speed in. Remember, this is an offensive line that gave up 60 sacks last year. I realize they had statues back there, and it's not going to happen again. But um, this this young man needs to be put in a position where he can succeed or at least taste a little bit of success and know going forward that he belongs. Bob, on a total side note, this is just one of those random brain-dropping epiphanies that hits me from time to time. Right. Um, you sound totally rejuvenated. I am. I am. I, I got my energy back. I feel. I feel. I like being my own boss. You know. Like I got. I, I came home last night and I wrote uh, McAfee and finished it up this morning. I was like, I don't have to ask anybody if I can write this, and I don't have to worry about the damn metrics. If they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. And yeah, I also got a good night's sleep last night, so that, that has something to do with it. But uh, good for you, yeah, Bob. I, Seriously, I, I, feel, I feel rejuvenated. You're right. Is it easier to write when you don't have handcuffs on? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it wasn't so much handcuffs is that I, I never knew if if what I was writing was what they were looking for, and I was always worried about the metrics and. Granted, you know, I worry about the metrics now because this is the way I'm feeding, I'm feeding my family. But, um, you know, it, it's all on me. It, it's not on anybody else. I don't have to worry about placement of a story. I don't have to worry about graphics. I don't have to worry about timing. I just knock it out, send it out there. Hopefully I don't screw it up and let people uh, 
let people decide whether they want to subscribe or not, and I hope they will. Okay, so I, here's what I decided. Going from Reggie Wayne to Bob Kravitz, from a music standpoint, is like going from Lenny Kravitz to Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I like that. Does that work? Wow. Yeah. I, hey, do you like Springsteen, Bob? Uh, I'm a sports writer, man. I'm going to see Springsteen a week from tonight at Wrigley Field. Oh, my God. You got any openings? Yeah, if you want to buy a ticket, I bought it. They were not expensive. I was surprised. I bought them in the secondary market. You're more than welcome to make the ride with us. My buddy, I, my buddy Michael Weir what, and I. I'll tell you, I mean, I've seen Bruce about 11 times. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore. Uh, well, let's let's be in touch because I, I may take you up on that, my friend. Okay. I think Bob's serious. But here's about the that. thing, Bob. Bonsai trip. We're going up and back same night. Same night? Yeah. That's okay. I'm not driving. <laughs> I was waiting for that part. Bob, last one. As Jake said, we just had Reggie Wayne on, and I, I, I'm probably putting you a hair on the spot here, so I apologize for that. But I said in whatever, the 11, 12 years that I've been you know, covering the Colts, a little bit of the Pacers in this market, Reggie Wayne's orange glove effort in 2012 is, in my opinion, yeah. the greatest individual performance I've seen, and you got to factor in the, the Hollywood aspect to everything around it as well. What in your history of covering sporting events ranks up there with that? Well, I think that, the, the, you know, Andrew Luck in the comeback against Kansas City, uh, rates right there. If you're talking about local sports, yeah, um, uh, that that one what was a 48-45 or something like that. Uh, that one ranks right up there off the top of my head. Yeah, that is that is certainly a good one. And you know, both those had big comebacks. Even the Green Bay game, not at that level from a playoff standpoint. But yeah, the Andrew Luck one as well. All right, Bob's latest again. BobKravitz.substack.com on Pat McAfee. Bob, congrats on the golf outing. How much money you guys raised? It's absolutely awesome. And more importantly, I echo what Jake said, and I've seen it firsthand out at training camp. It's been pretty cool to see, um, you know, just the extra boost that you've had here uh, as of late. So, congrats on that. Thanks, buddy. Thank you both.